There are so many religions in the world. How are they similar and how are they different? We need to know. The culturally correct view is to blend them all together as equally relevant and legitimate. But is that true? Prior to becoming a follower of Jesus, your host, Mike Shreve, was an avid seeker of truth, exploring many paths to spirituality. One of his passions now is to help bridge the gap so that others can discover the true light, which gives light to everyone entering the world. Now, here's Mike Shreve revealing the true light. Have you ever heard of Maya? That's M-A-Y-A, Maya. If you're unfamiliar with Hinduism, then you're probably not familiar with that term. If you do have a basic knowledge of Eastern religions, then possibly you're familiar with it, but I believe we're going to go into some deep contrasts and comparisons between Christianity and Hinduism that are going to be helpful to you whether or not you're familiar with the term. Now, the word maya means delusion. It's the thing that prevents human beings from understanding their true nature, according to Hindu doctrine, that they truly are God, that God has emanated himself in the form of the physical universe, and that includes us, and that maya or delusion prevents us from understanding that. It also imparts to human beings, according to that worldview, the illusion of separateness from God and separateness from each other. Christianity, on the other hand, teaches that human beings live misguided lives, not because of delusion, but because of deception. And there is a distinct difference between the two. It's not saying the same thing. Now, we're going to be covering some deep theological terms, most of them rooted in Hinduism. So listen intently, listen carefully, and you may want to listen to this episode more than once. It would be helpful as far as assimilating the information and really comprehending it. We live in a world of people who are blind spiritually, who are caught up with material things, oblivious to eternal things so often. What is the cause of this spiritual ignorance and darkness that fills people's lives? Why are they so egocentric in the way they do things? The whole world revolves around me. That's the mindset. And then there's a dreadful lower nature that causes such depravity in some human beings. Where does that all come from? The title of this episode is Maya or Deception, What's clouding the minds of people? Because the mind is the battleground. That's where you're either going to lose or win in comprehending the mysteries of life. And of course, once you are born again, once you receive a spiritual rebirth through the Lord Jesus Christ, he begins to heal the mind and fill your mind with truth. And so you begin to see things from his perspective. Thank God for that. Now, let me define some terms a little more deeply. Maya is the delusion that prevents human beings from grasping the idea of monism. And monism is the doctrine in Hinduism that all things are of one essential substance. And maya is the cause of human beings 
failing to understand that the souls of human beings, which are called Atman, are actually one with the oversoul, which is called Brahman, a level of consciousness that fills the universe. You might call it the universal mind. Some groups refer to it that way. In other words, because of spiritual blindness and spiritual ignorance, human beings fail to realize they are God and everything is God. Wow, what a bold statement that is. And of course, as a Christian, I do not embrace that anymore. 51 years ago, when I was a teacher of yoga and meditation at four universities and ran a yoga ashram, I believed in Maya. I believed in uh, monism. I believed that everything was of one essential substance, that you and I are one with each other and we are both one with God. And that's a blanket statement over the whole human race. But I no longer see it that way. Now, maya is the automatic outcome of two other beliefs. One already mentioned, which is monism. And to succinctly define monism, I'd like to say it this way. It is the belief that all is one and one is all. Let me say that again. Monism is the belief that all is one and one is all. That also stems from pantheism. And pantheism comes from two root words, pan, theos, that means all is God. And so pantheism is the belief that everything or all is God and God is all. Those are foundational in the majority of the worldviews held by Hindu people. Now, we're going to cover the fact that not all Hindus believe in this particular view. It's called Advaita Vedanta Hinduism. That's A-D-V-A-I-T-A, Advaita Devanta, uh, Advaita Vedanta Hinduism. And that means that particular view of the Vedas. The Vedas are their sacred scriptures. It's like the universe is a a supernatural matrix, a huge matrix that we've been placed inside of, and we don't really know what's real and what's not real. We're, We're veiled in our thinking into accepting as real things that are really unreal. And the reason for that, according to Hindu doctrine, again, is something called Lila, L-I-L-A. And Lila means a kind of divine game of cosmic proportions that the oversoul is cloaking the minds of men with or bringing uh, into the lives of people a misunderstanding of what life is all about. It's Lila. It's a divine game, a cosmic game. All right? Now, Other Hindus believe in something called Devaita, D-V-A-I-T-A, Devaita Vedanta Hinduism, is dualism. It's the belief that the universe is a separate reality from the author of the universe. And they tend to believe that the supreme deity, the, the supreme creator, is Vishnu. And that you can have a relationship with God, where in the other branch of Hinduism, you don't really 
have a relationship with Brahman. Brahman is just the universal force, the life force that flows through everything. But one of the main proponents of Deveta, or the dualistic view of the universe, was a man named Madhva. And Madhva lived from 1238 A.D. to 1317 A.D. And he even said this. He said, it is blasphemous to accept that a perfect God changes himself into an imperfect world. I agree with that. And he was closer to the truth. Now, he worshipped a false god, Vishnu. And Vishnu is a creation of human imagination. The only true God is revealed in the Bible, comprised of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one God. And so he did not have the correct interpretation of the nature of God, but he was closer to a biblical worldview. I found a quote that really ties in with this from an author named Annie Dillard, and she wrote a book called Pilgrim at Tinker Creek. And she said this, divinity is not playful. The universe was not made in jest, but in solemn, incomprehensible earnest by a power that is unfathomably secret and holy and fleet. And I agree with that. It's not a game. What's happened in the universe is not some kind of divinely authored delusion. Now, let's bring in Buddhism, because Buddhism is similar in some respects, but much different also. Two of the basic doctrines in Buddhism are impermanence and emptiness. Impermanence and emptiness. And those two ideas work together because In essence, Buddha taught that everything is empty of any lasting value and everything in the universe is impermanent, including you and I, that eventually we, as personal human beings, will cease to exist. And so if you live for this world and you're really caught up in the material things and the pleasures of this life, you're deluded according to Buddhism, according to Hinduism, because you're you're living for something that's empty of any lasting value and is impermanent. It will not last forever. Now, in Christianity, we see it from a different direction. Of course, we see that the world is foolish to live for. In fact, the writer of Ecclesiastes said, vanity, vanity, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. And the word translated vexation of spirit means grasping for the wind. Well, could you catch wind in your fist? Of course not. It's a futile effort. And to try and be fulfilled by the things of this world, whether it be the pleasures the world offers the attractions the world offers, and the accomplishments that the world offers. If, if we try to find ultimate fulfillment in those things, it's like grasping for the wind. It will never happen. You'll always be empty in your heart. So I understand what drove Buddha to believe what he believed, and I understand what drove certain Hindus 
to come up with the ideas they came up with because they did not have a biblical basis for their belief system. Now let's go into the biblical point of view. According to the scriptures, we are not in the dilemma we are in because of delusion, because of maya, but something a little different, which is termed in the Bible as deception. And there are three primary ways deception cloaks the minds of human beings. Number one is Satan, and you can find that in Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. Number two is sin. You can find that in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. And number three is self. You find that in Jeremiah 17, 9. And let me go into those scriptures right now. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, it talks about how Satan is the great deceiver who deceives the whole world. He's that dragon. He's the evil one. He's the prince of darkness. He's the one who has deceived the entire world. And I'm not, I'm not giving him a compliment in any way, but that's a huge track record that every human being in this world, to one degree or another, has been deceived by Satan. Now, how does that work? He's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere in the world all the time. But he has an army of demons under him that do his bidding and have caught his purpose. And so through that demonic influence, all human beings are subject to satanic deception. He's the one who deceives everyone who comes into this world. Think of that. Evil spirits that have fallen into the state they're in. They were once angels who rebelled against God. Then Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13 says that we should exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of us be deceived by sin, lest any of us be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Why does the Bible say sin is deceitful? Because in a metaphorical sense, sin paints itself with a pretty appearance, a beautiful appearance, an attractive appearance. It packages itself in something that looks desirable and alluring. But then once you open the package, whatever it may be, if it's greedily going after material possessions or lustfully going after sensual pleasures, once you open the package, death comes out. Mental death, emotional death, ultimately physical death, and beyond that, the second death, which is death of both soul and body. Because the Bible warns when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. But sin is deceptive. Satan is a deceiver. Sin is a deceiver. And those who are deceived by it are self-destructive in the end because they destroy themselves through the choices they make. But the final source of deception is worse than the other two combined. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, and listen to it closely, the heart is deceitful above all things, and all things include Satan and sin. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Now, let me underscore the fact 
that Jeremiah was an Old Testament prophet and he was talking about an era in which the experience of being born again was not available. Now, since the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus, his burial and his resurrection and his ascension into heaven and sending the Holy Spirit back into this world, things have changed dramatically because the human heart can now be filled with the presence of God. We can become the temple, the indwelling of God's presence and experience spiritual rebirth. That's what being born again is all about. God puts a new spirit in us. Instead of being dead in trespasses and sins, we are alive in Christ, alive in the Messiah, and God puts his spirit in us. And so the heart gets bumped up to a whole new level of success in life. You can successfully overcome the lower nature by this divine influence inside. But if you did not have that going for you, then you would be in a serious dilemma that your human heart that is just overwhelmed with carnality, which is the lower nature passed on to you from our forefathers, Adam and Eve, would be a very difficult foe to overcome. We deceive ourselves in many, many ways. The Bible said, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And New Age spirituality teaches that there's no such thing as sin. There's no such thing as evil or good because of monism. All things are of one essential substance. And because of pantheism, the whole universe, the good and the bad, the righteous and the wicked, all the things that abound in the universe are streaming out of one source. And so they don't really have a concept of sin. But the Bible said if we say that we have no sin, and that word means missing the mark, missing the mark. The bullseye is perfection in everything you think, everything you feel in your emotions, all of your actions, all of your interactions with others. You have to be perfect in all of those areas to be free from sin, because sin means missing the mark. And the mark, the bullseye, if you will, is perfection. No wonder 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 says, we deceive ourselves if we say we have no sin. And then the Bible says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So self-deception can be a real critical issue too. You can read the Bible and say, I believe the Bible and wear your Jesus insignias and your bumper stickers declaring that you're a Christian, honk if you love Jesus. But if you're living an unrighteous life, you're not a doer of the word, you're a hearer, deceiving your own self. And then Galatians 6.3 says, if we think ourselves to be something when we are nothing, we deceive ourselves. And so we have to maintain the attitude that we are constantly dependent on our source, and that is the Almighty God, the true and the living God, and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because, see, Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. He claimed to be the answer to deception, or what Hindus would call delusion. Uh, And as I said, there's a distinct difference between the interpretation of those words, but still, Jesus is the answer for all of us. He is the one who offers an opportunity to come into the truth 
and to come into a relationship with the true and the living God. So, Maya or deception? What's clouding the minds of people? It's definitely deception. And we have tools and weapons to work with to overcome deception. The Bible said that we can tear down strongholds with the weapons that God has given us. In fact, the scripture says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Well, those strongholds are established patterns of negative thinking in our minds, which is normal if people are unsaved. They build up these strongholds over a lifetime, establish patterns of negative thinking. But we have weapons of warfare that are mighty through God to pull down those strongholds. And those weapons are, number one, the Word of God. If you read the Bible, start learning how to quote the Bible. That's how Jesus faced off with Satan himself, by saying, it is written. Because the Bible overcomes any negative thing that tries to creep into your consciousness to snare you. So we tear down strongholds with the weapons of our warfare, and the Bible is depicted as a sword, the sword of the Lord, a two-edged sword, Old Testament and New Testament. Then the name of Jesus is a weapon in our mouths, because when you speak the name of Jesus, it has this disintegrating effect on the strongholds of deception in your mind. It's the cleansing power. The blood of Jesus is a weapon of warfare because as you claim the blood of Jesus, cleansing your heart, cleansing your mind, cleansing your life, all these strongholds of deception begin to crumble. And then you find out what truth is all about. I believe this has been a valuable program. I believe it's been a valuable episode. And I believe you're going to understand more profoundly the difference between Hinduism and Christianity now. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Revealing the True Light. Thank you for joining Mike Shreve today on Revealing the True Light. And thank you for opening your mind and your heart to the truth. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can explore the beliefs of many world religions more deeply by ordering Mike Shree's book titled In Search of the True Light. We also invite you to visit our website, thetruelight.net, and sign up to be part of our global internet family.